Good morning, Venture Church. Good to see all of you back. I'll tell you, as a pastor, you get nervous when you cancel service two Sundays in a row. You're like, is anybody coming back? Will they forget that we even exist? So thrilled to see all of you here today. Lots of announcements today in the announcements and a, a cool thing there, the interest groups. I'm starting a chips and salsa group. If anybody's interested in that, <clears throat> we'll meet at Uncle Julio's every night at five. So... <laughs> <laughs> so good times. Uh, highly encourage the uh, grief uh, support group, uh, grief share. Uh, you can pick up these pamphlets on the back table if you're interested in that. Uh, what a great, great group that will be. And uh, so I, I encourage you to learn more about that. Just pick up the pamphlet uh, in the back there. So <clears throat> I also want to thank 70 to 80 volunteers who helped make the Venture Christmas celebration a tremendous success. Um, so many volunteers, so many so many people came together, and it's our first time being back after that event, and uh, what an incredible time it was, and I just want to thank you all for uh, just stepping up to, to what really is our largest outreach event uh, of the year, so, so thank you for that. All right, well, as, as Jamie said, we're in a new series, Unlikely Hero, uh, starting today, and in this we're going to be looking at some of the uh, lives of individuals who didn't come from noble beginnings. Uh, there was nothing in their family tree that made them stand out. There was nothing in their physical appearance that set them up for success. There was nothing in their intellectual capacity that positioned them for greatness. And yet, these individuals changed the course of history. As I was preparing this message and thinking through the unlikely heroes in the Bible, the, the list was really quite remarkable, you know, just of the heroes in the Bible. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate hero uh, of everything. But if you look at Moses, he certainly came from a, a humble circumstance, floating in a river and, and ended up leading. Uh, Joseph uh, faced all kinds of incredible challenges in his life, and yet, yet he showed character. Uh, Job showed us how to handle unbelievable uh, situations with, with righteousness uh, Paul took a looking and kept on ticking, you know. Uh, Peter uh, was a bit of a wild card, but he got the job. Then you begin to look at the people in the Bible and you see the fact that these were normal people. These were average people that God called to do something extraordinary and they stepped forward and, and took that step of faith and God used them in an incredible way. Um, I've chosen three people so far for this series that uh, I think we can all relate to. Uh, these people weren't perfect, uh, and we're going, to, we're going to look at their successes, but we're also going to look at their failures. I don't know about you, but I prefer real and authentic over spit-shined and polished. Uh, I, I like it when somebody is just real. Uh, celebrities, politicians, sports stars, even megachurch pastors, they can develop this kind of arrogance about them as if they're better than everyone else. And uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like the old school Popeye character. Remember Popeye? I am what I am and that's all that I am. You know, I'm Popeye the sailor man. I'm strong to the finish because I, I eat my spinach. That's right. Bunch of old people here today. So <laughs> all the young people are like, what the heck are they even talking about? <laughs> Over the next several weeks, we're going to be digging into the lives of David and Gideon, and Elijah, and I think there are just some great lessons that we can learn from these, from these folks of how to become an unlikely hero uh, to the next generation. Uh, and today we're going to start off 
with David. The story of David begins in about 11 BC. We're introduced to David when he was just a boy. David grew up in a world that was very different than ours. He lived in a very violent time. And the kind of warfare that they had in, in those days was, was, was terrible. It was gross. It was brutal. We watch shows like Gladiator and Braveheart, and we tend to glamorize and sanitize and romanticize the ancient warfare. But it was absolutely awful. I doubt that we can even imagine what it was like living in a time uh, such as when David was a young man. In our modern warfare, missiles get launched from ships, bombs get dropped from planes, unmanned drones sneak up and destroy enemy uh, equipment, snipers shoot their opponents from hundreds of yards away. But in David's time, you stared the enemy square in the eyes. You fought them with your fists. You hit them with sticks. You stabbed them with spears. You saw the fear in their eyes. They saw the terror in yours. You smelled their breath. You felt the sweat on their arms. It was often a struggle to death. You were covered in blood. You were covered in your blood. You were covered in their blood. And if you died in battle, it was likely going to be the beast of the fields and the birds of the air that would prey upon your flesh until your family had no way to even give you a decent burial. How's that for an introduction? <laughs> That's the world that David lived in. First Samuel chapter 17, if you have your Bibles. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched their camp at Ephes Damon between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we open your word today. God, I pray that you would speak to people's hearts. Father, that I would fade into the background. Uh, God, that I would just deliver the message that I believe that you've given me for this day, for this hour. Uh, but Lord, not that they would hear from me, that they would hear from you. That the power of your Holy Spirit would use the reading of your word, uh, God, to just stir hearts. Uh, Lord, there may be an unlikely hero amongst us. There may be someone in this room that even today, God, you're calling to do something great. Maybe they don't realize it. But God, give them the courage to step out. Give them the faith to say yes. And God, give them a heart of obedience to follow you in whatever it is you call them to do. So Lord, we just dedicate these next few moments unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the Philistines had gathered their forces for war at a place called Soko in Judah. Uh, Saul and the Israelites were camped in the valley of Elah. And from there, many of you probably know quite a bit uh, of the story. A champion of the Philistines named Goliath came out each day uh, to taunt the children of Israel. He was a beast of a man. From what we know, Goliath was about nine foot, six inches tall. The average Hebrew male at that time was five foot, six inches tall. So Goliath towered four feet taller than most of his enemy. He was stout. The helmet that he wore weighed about 20 pounds. The, the uh, coat of arms that he wore uh, weighed about 150 pounds, and he carried a spear that weighed 30 pounds. To say that he was intimidating 
would be an understatement. Let's read his story. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for a battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your servants. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now, this went on for some time, but none of the Israelites wanted to fight him. Nobody wanted to get involved with Goliath. I mean, can you blame him? I mean, it was almost certain death if you said, uh, I'm willing to go out and fight Goliath. Now, the reality is it should have been Saul uh, who stepped forward. Saul was uh, the king of Israel. He was the leader. Uh, and leaders lead. That's what they do. And he should have been the one that stepped up to fight Goliath. We already know that he was one of the tallest uh, people in Israel. It was part of what got him selected as their king and the reason he was chosen. Uh, so he too was probably a pretty big guy. Now keep in mind the fact that God did not want the children of Israel to have a king. He wanted to be their king. He was their king. God warned them about selecting a king and what the long-term consequences would be. But the Israelites refuse to listen. Everybody else has a king, so we want one too. Even if that means by selecting a king, they were rejecting God. But that's what they did, and so Saul was chosen to be their king, but now they find themselves in a pickle. The Philistines were trying to expand their territory by taking back land that the Israelites had previously taken from them. The Valley of Elah was an important trade route that led from the Mediterranean uh, up to Jerusalem and Hebron. And so the battle lines had been determined, and this was a winner-takes-all contest. Pick it up in verse 9. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So how do you think the children of Israel are feeling at this time? What do you, what do you think they're thinking? Look at verse 11. On hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You ever been there? Dismayed? That's a word we don't use very much today. When was the last time you told somebody you're feeling dismayed? You know, we, we don't use that very much. But biblically, to be dismayed is to, to lose your courage. It means to be disheartened. It means you don't see any way out of your situation. You, you've come to the place where you've almost given up hope. Remember what God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But here we see even the leader was scared. The Saul was dismayed and terrified. The children of Israel dismayed and terrified. Their courage was gone. And you know, this would be a good time for an unlikely hero to enter the story. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurances from them. They're with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. 
David left the things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Now David was a teenager, probably about 15 years old at this time, old enough to mind the sheep, but not old enough to go to battle. He happens to be near the lines, close enough to the front lines that he's able to hear Goliath's taunt. And while everyone else is dismayed and terrified, David has a completely different response. He wasn't dismayed. He wasn't terrified. He was offended. He was offended. In fact, he was trying to wrap his head around why the entire Israelite army was shaking in their shoes. David asked some questions. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, well, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, from what we know, nobody else had asked that question. You see, nobody else saw it that way. Goliath was an uncircumcised Philistine. That means he was outside the covenant of God. Goliath did not have the protection of God on his side. So you can almost see the scowl on David's face and hear the disdain in his voice as he says, who does he think he is to defy the armies of the living God? I think it's interesting here that he asks questions that nobody else is asking because that's kind of what heroes do. They, they see things a little differently than the rest of the crowd. And heroes have this just internal urge to step forward and everybody else steps back. Now, mind you, David didn't look like a hero. He didn't look like a giant killer. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't trained for battle. He wasn't a soldier. He didn't have any scars to show off. And yet, he knew he had to do something. Have you ever had that feeling that you weren't sure what it was, but you just kind of knew you were supposed to do something? You were supposed to step in. You were supposed to be part of the solution. You were supposed to be injecting yourself into the situation, but you weren't sure exactly what it was, but you knew you had to get involved. I've been there, probably many of you have as well. And the temptation is to stay on the sideline. And that's where the masses typically stay. The majority of people are too scared to get involved. One of my all-time favorite quotes was from President Teddy Roosevelt in the speech that he gave in 1910. I've shared it before, but it's such a good quote, I'm going to share it again. Teddy Roosevelt said this, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have been done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I love that quote. It inspires me. Get involved. Don't just sit in the arena. Don't just sit in the stands. Get down on the playing field. Get involved. Become part of the solution. We need heroes today who will step forward and get involved. 
People who are willing to risk defeat in the pursuit of victory. People who are willing to take chances. People who are willing to overcome their fears. Who are willing to step up and face with courage the battle of the day. And there are plenty of battles in our day. There's much going on in this world and we need unlikely heroes to step forward. For too long, like the terrified children of Israel, we have stood on the sideline shaking in fear as giants taunt us, ridicule us, and to this day defy our living God. Do we speak up? Do we stand up? Will we become an unlikely hero and rise to the occasion like David? You see, David did what others should have, could have, and would have if they only trusted God. David raised his hand and said, I'll go. Send me. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, what is it that makes David do what others would not? Well, again, I think it goes back to the fact that David sees the situation different than everyone else sees it. While everyone else is focused on Goliath's size and his strength, David sees an enemy of God defying Almighty God. As you study David's life and reign in Israel for 40 years, you will find a man who consistently put his trust in God. He believed in God. Now, he didn't do everything right. We're going to see that next week. But he had a tremendous respect for God and his word. David's heart and his passion was to please God. Did he stumble? You bet. Did he blow it big time? Absolutely. Did he make some colossal mistakes? Yep. But he also had incredible courage, and he was a man of faith. He was a poet. He was a songwriter, a psalmist, a musician. And we don't have just the account of what happened on the battlefield that day when David took on Goliath. We have the book of Psalms, which really tell David's side of the story, that tell what was going on in David's heart and in David's mind. You see, he shared in the Psalms, his emotions and his thoughts. He shared how he felt and what inspired him, what motivated him. Psalm 25, verse 1, David said this, In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame or let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. You see, and it was that hope and it was that trust in God that drove David to be willing to face Goliath. So let's pick up the story. For Samuel 17, verse 40. <clears throat> then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And then he killed him. He killed him. David took a stone, popped the guy right in the forehead, knocked him down, knocked him out, went and got his sword and cut his head off. That's what a hero looks like. He saw clearly, he acted confidently, and he walked humbly, and God exalted him and gave him victory. In a matter of minutes, David became the most popular person in all of Israel. And in a matter of minutes, David became the most feared man among all the Philistines. Now, I doubt David had any idea when he woke up that morning that by the end of the day, his life would be forever changed. His simple act of faith in God set in motion a plan of God that would make David Israel's greatest king. Had David succumbed to fear and stayed in the sideline like the rest of the army, we would never know his name. In fact, we wouldn't know a lot of David's. There are currently 10,905,563 people named David in the United States. 92,957 babies are named David every year. How many people named David are in here today? Any Davids? All right. There we got some. We got some. I can just say this. Aren't you glad it wasn't Mephibosheth who, who, <laughs> who stepped up and said, I'll go. <laughs> I have a feeling that there are some unlikely heroes sitting amongst us today. And I honestly believe that there are some of you that have unrealized greatness within you if you'll just answer God's call in your life. You don't have to be born into a noble family to achieve greatness. It's not a requirement that you have a certain level of education or a pile of cash in your account to be used by God in a powerful way. You need faith and trust in God. You need a heart like David's. I look out and I see Kathy Matthews. She's like, oh, don't even say this. But Kathy Matthews, I've known her for many, many years. 2008, I was pastoring a church. She was there. And uh, God began to speak to her heart about helping empower women in Kenya. And uh, took some prayer and she felt like God was calling her to do it. And she stepped out in faith. And the Ahadi Empowerment Academy is there today and it is incredible. God has used her and Mark and the ministry they have done to do unbelievable things in Kenya. But it all started, it, it all starts with just this little thought, right? This little idea, this, this feeling that maybe I should get involved. For me, it usually starts with this thought, somebody should do something. <laughs> I hate it when God says that. 
I'm like, nah, 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 nah. <clears throat> oftentimes when God says somebody should do something and he speaks it to your heart, often that's his call to you to do something. I don't know what the level of involvement would be, but I want to encourage you to be like David. Have the courage to say yes, to step in, to get into the arena, to be willing to go, to be willing to give, to be willing to get involved, to be willing to say, yes, God, whatever it is, I'll go, I'll do it. Here I am, send me. Doesn't mean the battle is going to be easy for you. It doesn't mean that the road is going to be straight and all downhill and, and super easy. No, it never means that. It's a battle. David had to go out and fight. But it was what God called him to do. And I believe that God is still calling unlikely heroes today. And I believe that there are some in this room right now. I have no idea what God's calling you to do, where he's calling you to go, what he's calling you to give. I have no idea what level of involvement he wants you to have. My challenge to you is to have the heart of David and be willing to say yes. Be like David, verse four. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. I hope that's your prayer as well. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, <clears throat> come before you this morning, and there's so much going on in the world. The need for leaders is terrific men and women who will step forward like David stepped forward to say, here I am, I'll go, send me. God, I have nothing in mind. I have nobody, I have no message for anybody in this room. God, this is a general blanket call that I believe you've given me to share with your people, that there is somebody and probably many people in this room that you're calling to step out in faith, that you, you are leading to do something and they've delayed, they've stood on the sidelines, they've not had the courage to step into the arena. God, I pray today through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the reading of your word, would you give them the courage to follow in David's footsteps and say, here I am, I'll go, send me. God, I pray that you would help us reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's our prayer, it's our heart to spark a movement of God in Southwest Florida to see you do great things. Not that we would be exalted, not that anybody would say, wow, what a great people and what a great church, but God, that people would look at us and say, what a great God. That they would be impressed with you, God, and that we would just fade into the background. God, use us, I pray. Every man, woman, and child in this room, God, use us to be lights in the darkness, to be a voice for the gospel to every man, woman, and child who would, who would listen, who would hear. God, help us to reach the schools, the youth, the under-resourced, the overburdened. God, those who are struggling. God, help us to help, us to help them. 
So Lord, just lead us, I pray. Go before us, speak to us, and God, use us as you use David. Father, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I encourage you to come back next week as we continue the story of David, and you're going to see that even heroes can mess up big time, but God will still use them. Amen? Let's stand as we sing our final song this morning.